You're listening to Calvary La Habra's podcast. For more information, visit us at calvarylh.com. Thanks for listening. I'd like to take this time to welcome you out. Uh, if you guys are here, uh, out visiting in the tent, uh, we're excited to have you here. If you are at home watching online, uh, we're likewise excited that you are tuning in. Um, I'm Jay, and so I'm one of the pastors here at Calvary La Habra, and this is uh, Pastor Francel. And so we're going to be here tonight uh, to lead you through uh, Hebrews uh, chapter 11. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. And um, now Lance has been going through this section of Hebrews uh, over the last couple of weeks. Uh, it took a little bit of a break uh, last week, but this uh, weekend uh, we picked it up again. And so we're going to be covering a few things, and, and this, is, this chapter is a very often quoted chapter uh, because of what it deals with, and often it's referred to as the Great uh, Hall of Faith. Uh, you've heard of the Hall of Fame uh, over in uh, Canton, Ohio, and then there's a couple of other halls of, of faith uh, where they celebrate sports. Uh, here, as we look in the book of Hebrews, uh, we look at some of the patriarchs, we look at some of those that we see in the Old Testament, and the writer of Hebrews is drawing out uh, a lot of these patriarchs, a lot of these uh, figures that we see in the Old Testament, and talking about their faith and, and discussing uh, what happens when you have real biblical faith. And so we're going to be getting into that tonight. Uh, if you are here again listening and you are doing a core group. We started some core groups, and those core groups are home studies. And some of you may be tuning in right now to be able to listen to what we're going to be sharing tonight. And so we encourage you to do that. And if you are at home, uh, you can utilize this to, to talk to your family, to talk to your children, to discuss uh, amongst each other. Uh, this topic is, again, very a good topic to discuss, and that is uh, faith, as we discover what this faith is, what true faith is, and how it operates and what it looks like. And so, um, oh, Francois? Yeah, I, let's, let's get into uh, verse 1. Uh, now faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Um, actually, I'll read verse 2 as well. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony or witness. Um, that word substance, um, Lance, I like the analogy that Lance gave, and it's also the definition of that word substance. That word substance means to uh, stand under or support. And Lance talked about faith. Not just any faith, but faith in Jesus is, is, is the same thing as a foundation is to a home. And without it, we don't stand. Um, I like that because there's so many great pictures. When you, when, if you picture a foundation of a home, most foundations, some of them have raised foundations. And so not every, found, not every foundation, but most foundations are unseen by the naked eye. You have to dig to, to get to that foundation. And also, I, I was thinking about that as Lance said that. I was like, how many of us watch home shows? We all, home makeover shows, we all watch that. And um, we have different ones that we like, whatever. But um, the demolition of it, it's funny. You've never seen them show the demolition of a foundation. 
because it would take too long. Huh. It would take too much of that show. It, it wouldn't be one guy putting his shoulder into a wall and just knocking over that wall because what holds that house is the foundation. What holds us as Christians of our faith is, is that foundation, that support, that stand underneath would be that, um, that, that faith in Christ. You know, you know, Jay, I don't, I don't want to get too personal here with you, but uh, we were talking yesterday. Um, first time I, I met you, you, you taught on foundations. <laughs> it was a persevering faith. A long time ago. Actually, it was. Uh, 21 years ago. It was 21 years ago you were a guest speaker here. And um, you guys, you and Lisa just lost your first child. Uh, Josiah, it was 21 years ago. A couple days ago, there was his birthday. Yeah. But you came six months after that, and you shared on Matthew 7. Mm -hmm. And you talked about uh, homes being built on the sand mm -hmm. or on a rock. Yeah. And, the, the, and that goes into the word evidence, the evidence of things not seen. Mm -hmm. And so evidence of our faith, evidence of, I look at, at you, Jay, and evidence of your faith is you're here today. <laughs> Like, yeah. you know, that, that storm didn't take you out. But yeah. if, if you had your faith built on something else, like it talks about in Matthew 7, it would have wiped you out. Yeah. So the, these things that come our way, you know, it's, that's the persevering faith. Mm -hmm. So things will come our way. Mm -hmm. But where, where do we build our foundation? Yeah, yeah definitely. That's, that was the thing that held us together. You know, most... Most people that, most couples that lose a child, I think it's 75% uh, of them will end in divorce. Mm -hmm. um, fortunately for myself, my wife, we just celebrated our 25th uh, year anniversary uh, back in March. Uh, it was kind of a, yeah. a low-key one, obviously, with uh, COVID <laughs> happening. Um, but we were able to celebrate that, and I believe it's because of what God began to do in our lives early on. Uh, before we got married, as, as God uh, called us to a saving faith in himself and drew us together as we began to establish our relationship upon the principles of the Bible and upon our foundation of Jesus Christ, as you're, as you're talking about, we didn't know that storm was going to come. Uh, just like many people, they don't know what's going to happen. When we went uh, through our pregnancy, my wife had a what we term as a perfect pregnancy. Everything went well, and everything was according to plan. And it wasn't until the delivery that things went awry. And that's when we, our first indication of, of that there was something wrong as the cord was around his neck, um, as they later looked at him and he had um, meconium staining. He also had group beta strep that he contracted while in the womb. And so, he had a bunch of things against him. He lived for a couple of weeks, and those were trying times in the hospital, uh, being by his bedside and, and praying every day, praying to the Lord that the Lord would deliver him, that, that he would be, um, be healthy, that he would come out of it, uh, but that wasn't the Lord's plan. Mm -hmm. And I know that for us, it was the most difficult thing that we uh, could ever face, and especially at that time. Uh, we are just a few years into our marriage, and, and this is our first child, and not suspecting that we wouldn't come home with our child. Mm. And, you know, you have the room all set up. You have everything, 
set up because that is what your plan and what you're thinking uh, is, is going to happen. You're going to bring your, your son home. You're going to have a regular life with him, and that wasn't to, to be the case. And the Lord had led me to uh, Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 through 27, and just talking about building your, your house. And, and the, the house that's built there is, is the same and face the same storm. Uh, the rains uh, come, the floods come, the winds blow, and all the different things that are described in that passage. And Jesus is speaking there at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. And he says, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine, I'll liken them to a wise man or a foolish man. And really, what determines whether or not he's wise or foolish is the foundation uh, mm. that he builds upon. And one foundation is going to allow that house to stand uh, through that storm. Uh, the other foundation, the, the sand, is going to be detrimental to that house. And uh, what the Lord had begun to speak into our lives, the Lord began to do in our hearts, I think, allowed us to, to have that foundation in the Lord for that time that we didn't know what was coming. Yeah. Um, and so hopefully that's an encouragement to many of you guys that are listening out there that, that again, we don't know all the, the storms that are going to happen to us, but as the scripture is talking about and here in Hebrews chapter uh, 11, verse 1, the, that faith is a substance of things uh, hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. And there's things that we're not going to see. We just have this, we just have this hope that what God has promised is going to be a reality, even though it's not a present reality right now. But the, the word that's, uh, that you mentioned, substance, that foundation, uh, in the Greek is actually, a, um, it refers to a title deed. Now, the title deed isn't, isn't uh, everything, it's just a piece of paper, but it guarantees you something that's, that you're entitled to or something that's going to come. And the same way, uh, faith is a substance. Now, I, I don't see what's happening, but it's that, that title deed to what's, what we're promised later. And that's what he is saying here um, for the evidence of things not yet seen. Yeah. Just like that foundation of a home that we actually don't get to see, but we could trust it because we've poured the concrete. Yeah. We've laid the concrete. We've, 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 we, we saw the blueprints. Mm -hmm. You know, and we've watched God work. Yeah. You know, um, I was reading a quote that said that uh, biblical faith does not ignore reality. And so I was thinking about that. And because it's not blind faith. It's not, no. hey, let's, let's be hopeful and think. No, it, it's, it's being hopeful in, in, in reality of his word. Mm -hmm. You know, I was thinking about um, my wife. She, she has... She has, um, to me, I believe that she has the gift of faith and she has, she has this level of faith that um, I admire and I look up to. Um, but at 9-11, after all that hit, we were going out and doing relief work in the tent. We were in the Salvation Army tent. We were, we were going, we were ministering, we were doing all these things. And I lost my job because of 9-11 at that time because of the economy, we, we, the company downsized. I lost my job. We just stepped out in faith and started homeschooling our kids that year. And um, she tells me, I think the Lord wants me to go to New York. And, and we've gone on a couple of local missions trips, but we haven't gone that. And it was, it was on our dime. Like it wasn't like, you know, I was like, oh, how are we gonna pay for this? Like I don't have a job. 
<laughs> I'm looking for a job. And, um, and I remember she goes, can we pray about it? Yeah, let's pray. And, and I remember saying, okay, um, we can't use funds that pay our bills. We have to be wise. That's not wise to put that on the Lord. I can't put that on the Lord. To, hey, I'm just going to step on faith and I'm going to use the money that I budget. And you're going to go, you're, you're going to, no. So I said, Let, let's pray that God would reveal how he would want you to go. That next day, someone offered her a babysitting job. And we had the money to pay our bills. And so she said, can I put that as a down payment? Yes. Next thing you know, her brother, who's not a believer, says, hey, I've had these piggy banks that I've been stuffing with coins, money, whatever. And um, I don't know. I just woke up this morning thinking you had to have it. We break it open. We take it to the store, those little coin things, and it was exactly what she needed to go. And we started talking. Okay, she's going. She's going. It, it, it's not out of the, our, our bills. And, and then she, she tells me, I don't have any spending money. And I said, well, we're going to have to figure this out. We're gonna, maybe you, you want to sell something? You want to have a garage sale? And then one of our neighbors says, hey, we're going on vacation. Can you do the babysitting job that I normally do? And it was just that step of faith of, of, of my wife saying, I don't understand. But we didn't ignore reality. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't ignore reality. And I remember just, the, this is reality. We have to pay bills. We have to, we have to feed ourselves. We, have, you know, I, we don't have that much money coming in right now. I, I lost my job. But, um, but just that step of faith to say, hey, Lord, if we're open to what you would do, and that, that led to, to two decades of us stepping out in faith and watching him work, watching him provide. And um, it, it's not, it hasn't been easy. No, it hasn't been easy. And, but that type of faith is what builds us during the hard times. Yep. You know? And, and um, as you know, Lance quoted that reference of uh, Romans ten seventeen. You know, that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Mm -hmm. And um, the more and more we've, we've, we've listened to stories of faith, the more and more our faith has been built. Yeah. The more and more we've been surrounded by believers like you guys that have gone through things and believers here at, in our church that have gone through things and, and, and still came out and said, but God, but God, it builds our faith, so... Yeah, so when you look at this passage, um, you know, one of the things that we're seeing here in the Hebrews uh, 11 is, again, it's not as much of a definition of faith. A lot of times people say, well, this is the definition. It's uh, faith is the substance of things, hope for, and the evidence of things not seen. And it's really describing, again, what, what happens when people have faith. And so mm. this is why he begins to talk about the, the framework of the world and how it was created in faith. And then he moves on to talk about what Lance was talking about a few weeks ago, and that is with Abel yes. uh, in verse 4. And maybe we can pick that up a little bit. And it says, By faith Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it he, being dead, 
still speaks. And that's coming out of Genesis uh, you know, chapter 4 and the story of, of Cain and Abel, a very uh, well-known story. If it's not well-known to you that are listening out there, I encourage you to go ahead and go back into Genesis uh, and read that passage uh, because I'm going to talk about Cain and Abel. And, and as it speaks of Cain and Abel, they, they both come, they're brothers, and they both come to give a sacrifice mm. unto the Lord. And Abel gives a, a sacrifice of the best of uh, the sheep and that he's tending to. And um, Cain, though, is somebody that's a tiller of the ground and says that he gave some of the fruit of the ground. Um, and God didn't respect Cain's sacrifice, and, but respected uh, Abel's sacrifice. Now, there's been a lot of people that have talked about this passage and had various opinions on why God is not accepting of Cain's sacrifice, but in turn is accepting of Abel's. And maybe you can comment on that and talk about, a little bit about that. I know Lance referred to some of that. Yeah, you know, um, there, there is a, a great possibility. Um, I would even say that it's probably true that, that God spoke to, to, to their dad. <laughs> To Adam, at um, when when they when the curse came and and you know here look, you you got to have these these coats, you know of 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 lambskin you know, I'm sure that the Lord explained to him this is a sacrifice, and um, we know that um, it was probably also a heart issue, because later on when we see sacrifices there's also grain sacrifices yep. in the temple sacrifices so I'm not really sure you know some people say that that's probably what it was you know that, that at that point God only accepted you know animal sacrifice and maybe later on it, it got instituted but regardless it was a heart issue it was a heart issue and um, you know you could see that Abel did it it talks about it's almost like it, it was the best the first it was all and it just says ah just you know Maybe, maybe it was, it was a bad, you know, bad fruit. I don't know what it was, but, um, but Abel definitely offered the best mm -hmm. to the Lord. And that's what he would want. He would want us to offer the best, the first fruits. And um, I, it, it's probably the first time that we see an act of faith, act of obedience mm -hmm. in the Bible. And um, Abel, you know, it says here that even though he's dead, he still speaks today and he's, he's the first martyr and he was martyred because of his faith because of his obedience he was killed by his own brother because he his brother was jealous of his faith he was jealous that, that the lord was pleased with him you know and um there there's there's only two people oh i'm sorry no i'm going into the other <laughs> i'm going into the, the next you know but but he was definitely pleased with with his sacrifice and um you know that 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 i don't think it's 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 definite why but it definitely is that you could tell abel's heart was correct it was right and cain you know um as as lance went into you know it, it's more like man-made it was more this is this is my work this is what i did you know, I was a tiller of the land. I'm going to give you what I've done. And as we know that our works are, are 
they're not acceptable to the Lord. Yeah, yeah and, it, and that's what it seems to be because, uh, again, we don't have that much in our, our Bible concerning uh, Cain and Abel, but what it's saying right here in the book of Hebrews uh, chapter 4 is that by faith, and emphasizing faith as the writer of Hebrews is discussing this topic throughout this chapter. And so we know that Abel approached by faith and offering a more excellent sacrifice. And so the inference there is that Cain did an approach in faith, as you mentioned, uh, probably approaching in his own works, in his own righteousness. And this speaks to us, as it mentions here, though being dead still speaks, because I, I think that it speaks about our approach to God. You know, I think when we look at this, the things that we can learn from here is that Abel approached God in, in not a way that he felt like approaching God, but a way that God wanted him to approach mm. uh, as opposed to Cain. Uh, we don't know what was told them, like you mentioned, uh, probably they knew something about a sacrifice and knew something of what would be acceptable. And Cain seems to have come in offering whatever he wanted. And it wasn't through faith because he wasn't looking to offer to God the things that were acceptable to him. And I, th and I think for any of us today, the, the, the same thing can hold true uh, because people today still will approach God in that same manner. You know, how often do I come to God and just like, oh, well, this is good enough for you. I, maybe I approach God in the sense of, of in my prayer time or, or just maybe in just giving him time. But I determine those limits. I determine how much I'm going to give to God. And so I may be approaching God in, in the same way that Cain is, where I'm not looking to God and asking him, how do you want me to approach? What would you like me to give? What, what are you, what's acceptable in your eyes? Mm -hmm. And because of that, how many of us maybe approach God in that same way? Yeah. And so I'm not approaching God as Abel did in, in faith, looking at what's pleasing to God, but yet I'm looking at what I want to give. And so therefore, here as it mentions that even though he's dead, still speaks because yeah. his blood is still crying out yeah that in and, and, and that's verse two where it says for the elders obtained a good witness or testimony abel has that good witness mm -hmm. and that good testimony because of his gifts mm -hmm. you know um and think about second samuel 24 24 where uh david was going to go make a sacrifice to the lord because of his own sin mm -hmm. and um you know aruna tells him you know, here, take the field, take, take everything you need to go make a sacrifice. But David said, I will not sacrifice anything to the Lord with that which cost me nothing. Yeah. And so he wasn't, he, I, I'm, I'm not going to do those things. I know that sacrifice mm -hmm. to the Lord should cost me something. Mm -hmm. It should be of my best yeah. as we talked about the able would give of his best it should be something out of me that's 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 what sacrifice is mm -hmm. you know sacrifice is not um 
Hey, you know, it's not a sacrifice really seriously when, when, when you get that donation bag on your door and, and, and you're giving them all the clothes that you were going to throw away anyways. That's not a sacrifice. Yeah. That's that's they're helping you because now you don't have to go to Goodwill or you don't have to throw yeah. them out. <laughs> you know, that, out your closet for exactly. You. <laughs> that's that's not what sacrifice is. Does it bless other people? Yes, but that the Lord wants our best. Yeah. And I believe even uh, I can't remember passage. I think it's in Luke uh, when Jesus is standing opposite the the temple and noticing as people are giving and notices the the woman giving a couple of mites. And he, he makes that distinction, saying that she gave more than everybody else because everybody else gave out of their abundance, but she gave out of her poverty. Yep. And the Lord noticed that and makes that distinction uh, there at the temple. And so definitely we see that playing out here, I believe, in it with, uh, with Cain and Abel as they had their rivalry, and we see what happens uh, to Abel, but his blood still speaks, which is important yeah. for us. Um, and now the, this last Sunday, Lance spoke about Enoch, and so covering verses 5 and 6, and I'll go ahead and read that for you right now. It says, By faith Enoch was taken away, so that he did not see death, and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony, that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So Enoch is another person that is mentioned here, the second person uh, that's mentioned here in this great hall of faith. And what do we know about Enoch? Because there's not much written about him, but what are some of the things that stand out? Well, just that, that again, that, He's, he's the only other person, which I jumped the gun and, and said so it was Abel. And, but he's the only other person other than Jesus that says in the Bible that he was pleasing to God. Hmm. And so, um, you know, in, in, in Genesis, when, when it's talking about, you know, from Adam to Noah, he's mentioned in there. Mm -hmm. and, it, and it's talking about that, you know, he, he was born and he lived 65 years and then had his son. Mm -hmm. And then... Then it says, then he walked with God for 300 years. Mm -hmm. So for 300 years, Enoch walked with God. And then it said that he was pleasing to God. And, but then, then, then he was no more. Mm -hmm. God translated. God took him. Mm -hmm. He didn't die. <laughs> mm -hmm. God took him um, because he was pleasing to the Lord. And I, I love that um, scripture reference that, that Lance gave was Amos 3.3. 3. Of, of walking together. Can two walk together, you know, unless they agree? And it's like, you know, we cannot walk down the same road for too long of a time if we're not going to the same destination. Yeah. And so Enoch was going down the road to the same destination that God was. Yeah. And God wasn't uh, subject to Enoch. Enoch was subject to God. And where do you want to go, God? Where do you want to go? And I love that he said, that Lance said, it, it was probably after 300 years of it, it wasn't that much of a transition. No. Yeah, and, and if somebody's walking together, like you mentioned uh, in Amos, can two walk together unless they agreed? So there has to be a, a unity there for them to be able to walk. And you mentioned going to 
the same place, uh, also the same destination. You're walking together, uh, but you're also walking at that same rate. You're walking at the same pace, and that's what constitutes you walking together. And you think about Enoch walking with God and walking step by step with God. And how many of us run ahead of God or we're lagging behind? <laughs> so either way, but we can, we can be way out in front, jumping the gun and making decisions and not really seeking out God's will, or we can be way behind and God's having to, to drag us along. And, and you mentioned that, uh, what Lance had said, that it probably wasn't that much of a transition uh, for him as he walked with God that, that he would be translated into heaven. Uh, Spurgeon once said that here Enoch was somebody that every step of the way for 300 years was a constant incline. So why would we be surprised that his very next step was into heaven? Mm. And that is a good picture of Enoch and him walking with God. And him being that person that, again, it didn't, the Bible doesn't need to say much about him. If that was our testimony, that we walk with God, we would, would be grateful. That would be the, the greatest thing for, for anybody to say years. with us. Yeah, for 300 years to, to walk with God. And, and it is, here he doesn't see death. Now, the only other person in, that we see in the Old Testament that never saw death was Elijah and he was taken up in a whirlwind. And we don't know how Enoch was taken up. The only thing that we know is that he was not for uh, God took him. But he had this testimony, as it mentions at the very end of verse 5, that he pleased God. And as you mentioned, him and Jesus are the only ones in the Bible that are mentioned as to be pleasing to God. And what was... What was so pleasing about him, the only thing that, that, again, we're not told his life story, other than the fact that we look in the book of Jude, and I believe in uh, verse 14 and 15, it mentions him that he was a preacher. He was going out and, and speaking about the destruction that was on the horizon. And he seemed to not only walk step by step with God, but he was also standing up for righteousness and warning people yeah. and sharing about a hope that was in God alone, even though we only see in Jude that there was judgment that was pending. But with judgment, there would also be hope because even his own son, Methuselah, uh, his name means that when he dies, it shall come. And so when Methuselah died after 969 years, then the flood came. And that's what Enoch was warning people about, going around at a time that we can maybe even liken it to this time maybe. It's probably actually worse, uh, where he, God would look down upon a world and be sorry that he had made the world, mm. that he'd be sorry that he made man. And so much so that he would seek to destroy his own creation. Yeah. That's how perverted, that's how unrighteous, unlawful that was. But yeah. yet you, you see some people, even with Noah later on, finding grace mm -hmm. in the eyes of the Lord. 
that God's mercy and his love was still on people that would choose to walk with him. Yeah. And that's what we see with Enoch. Yeah. You know, verse 6 is connected to verse 5. And uh, it answers us why God was pleased with him. And, it, you know, again, we don't know much, but to walk with God, we have to have faith. It takes faith to walk with God, especially for 300 years. You know, how many times do we have people come up to the altar, people come in for counseling, and they, they, they come because they, they, there's a season of their life that they're ending at that day, they haven't walked with God. And it hasn't gone well with them. Yeah. And they, they, they feel that. They understand that they're not pleasing to God, and it's heavy on them. So they come and, and they confess that. But verse 6 says, But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So it's telling us about Enoch there, that he must have been pleasing to God. You know, um, in the workplace, at, when I was out in the workplace, we would take uh, these courses that would talk to us about uh, managing large amount of people, and they, they, it was it was a funny statistic that um, you think that money drives people. People will ask for more money; they'll ask for raises. But what drives them is knowing that they're pleasing to their employer, knowing hey, an, an employer that would be encouraging, an employer that, that, they would, that they would know that they're doing a good job, that you would give them you know, uh, an evaluation, that you would, you, you would pour into them. And it's, it's, this, this is what it says, you know, and as a Christian, you know, I, I've re I realized that with my kids that, you know, it, I didn't have to pay them to do things. But if I encourage them, you did that very well. They, they were more happy than if I were to give them a couple bucks, you know, because it, they wanted to be pleasing to their father. You know, an employee wants to be pleasing to their employer. Most goodwill employees, I would say. Yeah. You know, they want to know that they're doing a good job. And, um, you know, there was, there was a, a company that shut down and, and um, they, they um, it was an apparel company and, and, you know, my brother was telling me about this and, and all the employees were, it was an LA-based company, they're all upset, they're, they're all minimum wage employees, but they, they were so upset, they were so, because their employer let them know how they appreciated them. They, 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 they brought in food every day. They end up becoming, you know, they had a kitchen. They, 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 the, this employer was a good employer that constantly encouraged and let their employees know that they were pleased by them. But they were all making a minimum wage, a couple hundred of them. And, you know, a job financially that they could go, um, they could, I could go anywhere. anywhere. But, but yet, they, they, were, they were crying, they were upset because they had an employer that let them know that, the, that he was pleased with them. Mm -hmm. And so Enoch, you know, that, that and how do, you, how do we find that out from the Lord? Well, by taking steps of faith. Enoch must have took steps of faith because that's what it talks about. And that God would show him, I'm pleased with you. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah.
And the opposite of this is saying, but without faith it is impossible to please God. The opposite of that would be uh, you would utilize your own works. Yep. And, and so if I come to God, and again, kind of even going back to Cain and, and Abel, yes. if I approach God in my own works, uh, it, I'm not going to be pleasing to the Lord. If I no. am somebody who is relying upon myself, if I'm somebody that is trusting in what I can do, uh, it's, it's not going to be pleasing to the Lord because the Lord desires a relationship with us. He's not looking for religion. He's not looking for a works-based uh, salvation and mentality that I, I believe a lot of people have. I, I came from the Catholic faith, and, and I remember just going from first grade all the way through 12th grade in, in a Catholic school, and it was essentially works-based. You are to, you're to adhere to all the sacraments. Uh, you're to adhere to various things that are, that are taught to you as far as going to Mass, receiving uh, the, the, whole, the Eucharist, and, and a lot of different things. And those are the most important things uh, that were communicated to us. And what wasn't communicated to us was approaching God in, in faith and approaching God in a, in a real way. Uh, we didn't know, you didn't get the sense in the teaching that, that of God being somebody who's real mm -hmm. and somebody who's desiring a relationship with you. Uh, you. What was taught to us was that we needed to follow these rules and regulations. We need to follow different things. And I remember it was hard for me to reconcile those things. I, I didn't profess to believe in God all the whole time I was in school. But one of the issues that I had was the fact that I, all my friends and I were doing the same things. There was no difference between myself and them, although they just went to church on the weekends. But I remember getting questioned one time when I was in high school by a couple of friends and them asking me, hey, how come you never go to church? And I remember telling them, why would I go to church? We do the same things. If I was going to go to church and say I believed in God, then I would live the life. And so I, even in my demented mind back then, <laughs> still knew that a life needed to, to coincide with a profession of faith. Mm -hmm. and, and this is really essentially what, what the writer of Hebrews is getting at, is that without faith, it's going to be impossible. You can't approach God on your own righteousness because you have none. The Bible tells us that there is no one that is righteous, no, not one. Mm. And, and I'm going to approach God in that way. I need to approach God in a humble way in understanding the sacrifice that Jesus made for me on the cross and that Jesus has paved the way and all I need to do is put my faith and trust in him. Uh, but I need to be able to approach God in that manner and not, again, on my own righteousness. The Bible tells us in, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, it's, that we're saved through faith, and it's, and it's not through works. It's a gift of God. It's by grace that we're saved through faith, and, and not of ourselves. It's a gift of God. It's not of works, as anyone should boast. And, and, and so we're told there that it's not through works. It's not through my own righteousness, because the Bible tells me in Isaiah that my righteousness is as filthy rags mm -hmm. in comparison to the, the righteousness that he's able to impart to us 
through the death and blood of Jesus Christ. You know, I also grew up Catholic, and um, I had two uncles that are priests, one um, still alive and the other one passed away. But um, I like the end of verse 6 where it says that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And that was my problem. My problem was, wasn't that I didn't believe in God. I did believe in God. But I knew that I knew my heart. And I was never um, going to be good enough for that. And I was actually upset at God because it's like, you know, he's just another person waiting to, you know, well, he's waiting to punish me like everybody else for all the little mischievous things that I did. Even I remember hearing about the age of accountability and, and, and sin. I remember about all that. And I remember thinking at 13 years old, I remember thinking, if you really love me, you'll let me die before I'm 14. <laughs> I don't want to go past that because then I'm going to be accountable for all the things that are in my head and what I do. But, you know, when I, when I met the rewarder, the rewarder of salvation, the rewarder of sanctification, it was, it was, a, it was a, a long journey. It's still a journey to, to, to reprogram those things that God wants to reward us. Mm -hmm. It's it, it, con continually reprogramming the grace of God, not the guilt of God. Mm -hmm. yeah. And, and, and that's, that's what we talked about with Cain, that, that self righteous religion that it's my works and I knew I knew that my works were never going to own up they they were never going to be the standard they were I was always going to fail because I constantly failed at every standard that was put before me I was able to but not, you know I was so mischievous I was so you know that kid that I, I, I'm not going to obey <laughs> I'm not going I'm going to test the waters, and um, and I just, you know, all right, I'm just, God's just another person ready to discipline me, but here, he's not, he's not like those gods of the world, the gods of, of the punishers of the world, he is the rewarder, not the punisher. Yeah, it's definitely, as what's described in, in Hebrews, that you have this this hope that's laid up for you and that, that God's going to uh, reward us, as it mentions here, those who diligently seek him in the, in the original language in the Greek, it's that word to seek is, is speaking about is seeking out God, pursuing him, but, but the writer here qualifies it or quantifies that word seek by out, adding diligently. And it's talking about this constant pursuit yes. and it, it kind of links it back to uh, in Hebrews chapter 10 where it says uh, beginning here in verse 35 it says therefore do not cast away your confidence which has great reward for you have need of endurance so that after you have done the will of God that you may receive the promise and so what the writer of Hebrews talks about in, in Hebrews chapter 10 is this patient endurance and you are going to receive the promises of God you're going to receive that reward and so what chapter 11 is pointing back to is now building upon what he'd said at the end of chapter 10 about this patient endurance that uh, again speaking of the diligently seeking him out 
patiently enduring. Remember, the people that the writer of Hebrews is speaking to are going through trials and, and heavy trials so much so that they are turning away from their faith. They are going back to their old ways. And this is why the writer of Hebrews is going back and saying, but Jesus is a better revelation. He's better than the prophets. He's better than the angels. He's better than uh, Moses. He's better than Joshua. He's better than a better sacrifice. He's better than Melchizedek. He's better than uh, a Aaronic priesthood. He's better than the tabernacle. He's better than all these things. And that's what the writer of Hebrews has been establishing. And so now his encouragement is to now patiently endure because God is going to give you those promises uh, that, that, he's, that he gives to us. And you'll, you may not realize it now, but it's the substance of things hoped for. It may not be a present reality, but it will come to pass one day. Mm. You, you know, um, how old were you when you accepted the Lord? Uh, 21, 22. I was, I was so. 25. Mm -hmm. And uh, we, we talk about Enoch in the 300 years. What about the 65 years? Mm -hmm. Like how much of a muck did you make out of your life in the 22 years? <laughs> yeah. I don't want to talk about that's, that. That's, Good thing we're almost out of time. I know. <laughs> I think about that for my 25 years, but can you imagine the 65 years that he didn't walk with God? Yeah. And how does that look? Mm -hmm. But yet, like you said, you know, he, Enoch didn't have to clean that up. Enoch didn't have to change. Enoch just needed to diligently seek him. And God would reward him with faith. God would reward him with obedience. God would reward him with salvation, sanctification. All that, that's the, that's the grace that I learned. And that's what I, I can't, I can't change myself. But I can seek the one that will. I can seek him diligently daily you know in in uh, psalm 19 7 it talks about that 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 the law of the lord is perfect to convert my soul and i need to be converted daily yeah. i need to seek him and my soul is my mind you know and, and we need we need to allow he, he was seeking god he was speaking with god he was walking with god and I need to do that on a daily basis yeah. for, 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 for that's what you talked about, that quantification. What, what does that look like? Well, diligently. Well, how do I diligently do anything? You know, well, when I was diligent about dating my wife, I didn't call her every couple days. Like I called her multiple times a day. You know, that, that was back yeah. in the time of phones before cell phones and I remember, you know, we'd, we'd hey, um, you know, I'm going to watch a movie. All right, we'll just leave the phone. <laughs> you know, the goofy things that we would do. But it, yeah. that, there was diligence behind that. Uh -huh. You know, I, 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 I want to be around you. Mm -hmm. And the same thing with the Lord. There's diligence. Mm -hmm. And it's not easy. It takes faith. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. you pick up the word of God. It's not always easy to understand. Mm -hmm. It takes faith. It takes, you know, th that diligence to say, all right, Lord, you're going to reveal to me what that means. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes you, you, I, I want you to 
answer me, Lord, in this area or that area. And you read, you read some scripture and you're like, I don't understand what you're trying to tell me. Like, what does that have to do with, with any of this? You know, and I love that, um, that worship song that we sang that Brian was singing. It's like, I'm not seeking anything that you have for me. I just want you. Yeah. And sometimes he is just the answer. Yeah. When we diligently seek him, he will give us that reward. So maybe for some of you guys that are, are listening out there, um, those are maybe some questions that you can answer for yourself or if you're meeting in a core group or maybe you're just, again, at home with your own family. Asking those questions, what does it mean to seek out the Lord? What does it mean to seek Him diligently? Uh, ask those questions, what does it mean to please the Lord? How could we please the Lord? And maybe asking those questions of, of how are we approaching God? Are we approaching Him in our own strength? Are we approaching Him in our own way? Are we looking to be acceptable in, in His eyes? Uh, what are some of the things that we can do as a family, as a group, in order to keep each other accountable to help each other to walk in, in the ways after God. And so maybe some of those things are things that you can go through, you can discuss, go back over these couple of verses, you can go back again into Genesis and Genesis chapter four and read about Cain and Abel, you can go in chapter five, read about Enoch, and you can look up some of those passages again, go to the book of Jude, and you can look up verse 14 and 15 and see what it has to say about Enoch's message as he was giving it out. I would encourage you to read Genesis chapter 6 as well so you can see what was happening at that time when God determined that he wanted to destroy the world. And, uh, but again, Enoch is a great picture. We didn't bring this up and draw this out, but a great picture of the bride of Christ of the church uh, because we believe just as as God came and took Enoch before the flood came. Also for us as believers, we believe that one day the rapture is going to happen and God's going to keep us from that wrath uh, that's to come. And so there's a number of scriptures that are pertaining uh, to that as well. You can look at the letters of the Church of Philadelphia in Revelation chapter 3. And so, and there's a couple other places in Thessalonians uh, chapter 3, I believe, or chapter 2, uh, where the uh, Bible says that, that he's going to keep us from that, that hour and that time. And so from, from the wrath that should come. I can't remember chapter 2 or chapter 3. Um, but uh, all those things, uh, those are passages for you guys to, to look at, for you guys to consider, uh, to ask each other those questions. Uh, but for those of you who may be at home as well, and, and maybe you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord Savior, maybe, maybe you have been approaching the Lord in certain ways and you know that it's just kind of been on your own strength. Maybe you've been looking at your relationship with him as just something religious. Maybe you haven't been honest and real with God. This is your time. This is your time to be real with him. This is your time to take your example from some of those examples that we've talked about tonight in Abel and Enoch and to make a profession uh, of faith, but first confessing that you are a sinner, confessing that, that you need a change and that you desire God to be in your life and you want to have a real relationship with him. Um, I'm going to pray right now and ask if that pertains to you that are listening out there. They, this would be an opportunity for you to ask God to come into your life. 
Uh, it's a simple prayer and just asking Jesus Christ to come into your heart. And the Bible says if we put our faith and trust in him, that today we will be saved. Today is the day of salvation, not tomorrow, uh, not in a year from now. You don't have time to consider these things and ponder these things. You're not guaranteed tomorrow. What you're guaranteed is right now. And I would encourage you to make that profession of faith. So go ahead and pray with me this prayer. Uh, dear Jesus, please forgive me for all of my sin. I want to confess to you that I am a sinner. I want to accept you as my personal Lord and Savior. Come into my heart and fill me with your Holy Spirit. I pray that you would protect my life, that you would just help me to walk diligently after you all the days of my life. Be with me now. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, if you prayed that prayer, there's going to be a number on the screen uh, that, you, that you can call in, you can text, uh, you can get a hold of us. We'd love to get you a Bible. We'd love to uh, communicate with you and help you to grow in your relationship with the Lord. Um, please uh, pray for us as we are continuing to meet here and continuing to be the church and do, and do church. Uh, that God would watch over us and, and watch over you as well. We are praying for you. Uh, we can't wait to see you in person if we haven't seen you already. Uh, but continue to tune in, and we'll catch you next time on Sunday. God bless you. Hold on. If you guys are out in the tent, we are giving you guys a sample oh, yeah. Forgot of that. our pizza and prayer. So we made pizza um, so if you guys are in the tent, as you guys leave, enjoy some pizza on us. This is something that we are going to uh, kick off in the next couple of weeks. And um, again, if you're online, like Jay said, we want to connect with you guys. And if you guys are part of our body here in the local area and we have not connected with you in this COVID season, call us, please. We're asking you guys, call us, let us know. And we want to deliver a pizza to you. And we want to pray with you. So, um, and that number, our church number is on our website. But that number, if you did accept the Lord, is 714-499-9905. And text the keyword yes. So, God bless you guys.